What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine doctor. I get to consult people around the world via webcam and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, The Inflammation Spectrum, Ketotarian, and my newest book, Gut Feelings. If you want to learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, we actually have brand new telehealth patient options now open and lots of free resources there for you as well. You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And listeners of The Art of Being Well, we're giving away free signed books no matter when you listen to this episode. Every single month, my team and I will be randomly picking winners. All you have to do for a chance to win is head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review The Art of Being Well there. Tell us what you love about the show. And every month, we'll be picking winners. You can leave your Instagram handle in the Apple Podcast review itself, or you can take a screenshot of your Apple Podcast review and message me on Instagram at Dr. Will Cole. And we'll be going through the Instagram messages as well as the Apple Podcast reviews themselves. Either way, it doesn't matter. And we'll be picking winners every single month. I'll reach out to you. I'll ask which book you want me to sign, and then we'll send it out to you. All right, good luck. Let's get to today's guest. She's back. She's a repeat guest. We love her on the show. We learn so much about gut health every time she comes back. And today is no different. Her name is Tina Anderson. Tina Anderson's journey into the world of health had a unique start and some unusual turns. She began her career as a trial lawyer who specialized in settling cases by bringing both sides together, a personal passion of hers. Once her second child arrived, Tina left that high-stress job behind so she could focus on her family. Luckily, she was still able to use her considerable legal skills to point her career in a new direction as the in-house counsel for a family pharmaceutical company. But what Tina saw there made her change direction again. Frustrated by the many abuses in the pharmaceutical industry, Tina turned toward the field of natural health and found her life's work. 
She channeled her energy into learning all she could about disease prevention and good health maintenance. That led her to discover the importance of gut health and how connected and crucial it is for overall health and wellness. To share her discovery with the world, Tina, along with her husband, created a unique supplement that contains the superior probiotic strains of renowned researcher, Dr. Simon Cutting. By promoting gut health and probiotics, Tina shares her passion for wellness, helping others live their best physical and emotional lives. Let's get right to it. This is Tina Anderson's Art of Being Well. Tina, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you today. We're going to blow people's minds right now in this conversation. We're going to dispel a lot of myths around probiotics, gut health support, digestive support, all the things, and they're going to get so much out of this. So let's jump right into this. I think starting first with probiotics, people ask me oftentimes, they'll think of it working like grass seed. You know, they, they will almost think of taking the probiotic and it kind of grows like grass in their gut. Is that how it works? What's the science show as far as what's the mechanism of action, if you will, of how probiotics work? Yeah. Well, what we really want a probiotic to do is to go in there and kind of recondition the gut. You know, we're not just trying to throw seeds in there. I mean, actually, if we just back up, if we just do like a perfect analogy of like a garden. So if you envision this garden that's been stepped on and trampled on and there's weeds growing all over that garden, the idea for a long time has been to like reseed the gut. So throw a whole bunch of seeds in that garden. The problem is that you know, you're not taking care of any of those weeds in the garden. You're not taking care of those good plants that are there that just need to come back to life, if you will. So that's, I think, one of the biggest myths is like this reseeding idea is that it's just, we're not really trying to reseed the gut. We're trying to recondition the gut. So helping bring those plants that have been stepped on and trampled on kind of come back to life and then get rid of some of those weeds, get rid of the weeds that are in the garden that are taking over the beneficial plants in the garden. Mm-hmm. Isn't it true? I, I mean, I've heard it say said by different microbiologists and researchers that probiotics influence the economy of the microbiome. I think that's kind of what you're saying with reconditioning, and they encourage the growth of other beneficial bacteria. Correct, and then they also, in some ways, as you said, with almost act as antibiotics in the sense that they regulate any opportunistic bacteria or pathogenic bacteria. Because there's the checks and balances, right, of of the the, the biosis, the the beneficial balance and diversity of a, of a healthy microbiome. Is that fair to say? That's very fair to say. And it, it just you want to think of it as an ecosystem, and it's just they're they need to live amongst each other. But we're not looking to necessarily obliterate all of the bad bacteria. We're basically trying to have the good bacteria outweigh the bad bacteria and live in this ecosystem. Right. It's like a a pruning, not an atomic bomb of, exactly. of, of, of this gut garden, right? Yes, exactly. All right. So now you, the person's going to the supermarket, they're going to the health food store, they're going to online, right? And they see all these probiotics out there. What should we be looking for? They see all the, the billions of CFUs, maybe defined CFUs, but what are some things on a label of a probiotic? What should they be looking for? Yeah. So I think the first thing is when you're at the grocery store, 
I wouldn't go to the refrigerated section. So that's one of the biggest myths out there with probiotics is, is that a probiotic in order to be a good one needs to be refrigerated because the idea is that it needs to be a live microorganism just to be defined as a probiotic. It needs to be a live microorganism that confers a benefit onto the host, which is the body. The thing is, it doesn't need to be alive in the refrigerator. It needs to be alive in the intestines. And the overwhelming majority of probiotics that you're finding in the refrigerator are actually sensitive organisms. They actually have difficulty making that journey from the mouth all the way down to the intestines. You know, we know that the stomach is very acidic. It's meant to be the gastric barrier. Most of these refrigerated probiotics, actually, they're sensitive because they can't even withstand the room temperature of the store shelf. So if these probiotics need to be in the refrigerator, that means they can't withstand the room temperature of the store shelf. So how in the world would they ever survive your body temperature, which is 98.6, much less the stomach acid? You know, then they start, let's say they did survive the temperature. Then when they hit the stomach acid, you know, they're almost always going to be dying off. And we've studied this and we've done gastric survivability study on the leading probiotics on the market that are in the refrigerator and they are dying. 99.99% of them are dying by the time they get to the intestines. Wow. Yeah. So do not be fooled by the refrigeration thing. You know, it's the key is that you want your probiotic strain to be alive when it hits the intestines. And really the only way we know that is if it's been studied. So you want to find a probiotic that's been studied to actually survive the gastric system and get to the intestines hundred percent alive. So that's, that's one of the biggest things. So, so don't go to the refrigerated section. Um, then I would suggest, you know, don't get caught up in the CFU count. So CFUs, like you mentioned, are colony forming units. It's kind of how we measure how much of the strains are in the product. So we know that there's this, you know, America, it's like more is better. So, you know, 50 billion is better than 20 billion and, you know, hundred billion, there's 250 billion CFU products out there with all these different strains in there. And so we don't want to be focusing on that CFU count because there is no, there are no studies that I'm aware of that shows more is better. That has truly become a marketing tool. And it's, it's like, you know, people will justify more of money, you know, if they have more products, they are more of these strains, CFU numbers. But the thing is, you know, we know that these companies know that probiotics have difficulty surviving. So they are throwing these overages in the probiotics. Mm -hmm. And that's why you're seeing these high CFU counts. But we did a study early on, like I said, this gastric survivability study, that study was with a 50 billion CFU product sold in the refrigerated section of one of the most popular health food stores out there and died 99.99% by the time it got to the intestines. So wow. literally we're getting dead bacteria in a lot of these very high priced probiotics out there. So I would avoid the refrigerator section. I would avoid these high CFU numbers um, unless they have studies behind them. And then the other, the other one that is such a big myth out there that is getting actually a lot of attention in the press recently is this high strain count. So, you know, we have these strains on the side of the bottle, you know, you've got it's the genus species and strains. So you've got, you know, Bacillus subtilis HU36. So Bacillus is the genus, subtilis is the species, and then the HU36 is the strain. So you want to make sure that you have a strain ID next to your particular probiotic strain on there. What's happening now, you'll see this all the time at health food stores and online, is these probiotics that have 15, 20 different strains on it. And you're thinking, oh, this is great. I'm getting all these strains. 
The biggest problem with that is that we don't know how these strains are interacting with the the other strains. So there was a study back in, in the University of California, Davis, that actually took 16 different probiotics out there that were actually marketed to children and found that some of those probiotics or all of those probiotics didn't even match their label claims. So only one of them actually met their label claims because what's happening is you're taking this, you're imagine throwing like 15, 16 different strains inside of a vat one strain may take over another strain. And so that strain that's listed on the label is actually no longer there. And what's even worse is that two strains can actually come together and create a whole new strain that's not even listed on the label. So it's really scary what's happening when you're mixing these kitchen sink formula type of probiotics and putting them to the market because Mm -hmm. we don't really know what effect they're having on the body. Mm -hmm. So we really want to be careful with that. In fact, so the Weissman Institute came out with this study. They actually showed that some of these high dose, high strain formulas on the market are actually competing with our natural gut flora. So having more difficult time recovering from a round of antibiotics. So you want to find probiotics that have the strain ID and that that strain ID is actually there because it's been studied, not because it's just a strain ID that has marketing behind it. It's a strain ID that's been studied. And then of course, the gold standard would be to find a probiotic that has all of those probiotic strains together that have been studied and how they work together. We want to make sure that the strains together are working well Mm -hmm. together. No, no, I love this. This is great. So just to unpack some of the things and thoughts as you were talking about these different myths and truths around probiotics. Well, one, I, I agree with you. I'm thinking of all of the the verbiage on the boxes and labels of these probiotics. A lot of the beyond marketing, which we know more is better, and it just kind of looks like, oh, look, you're getting a more potent product, a more effective product. But it's probably down to your point, gastric survivability. It's like they almost have to put more in there because right. most of it's going to die anyway. So it's like, well, maybe you'll be left with one percent of this, right? Of this, right? Amount. And the next bit is, I think, something that's not talked enough about in on podcasts and people that are interested in gut health is what the label looks. And you've said that, but I would like to not skip over it. Is the genus, the species, and the and the the, the actual sequencing correct? Mm-hmm. So is yeah, that what they great. should be looking for? And can you give like what are the most well researched types yeah. of bacteria they should be reading on a label? Yeah. So I, I really would look at that strain ID. That's the really important thing. You know, you have a Ramnosis product and, you know, it, it's the actual strain ID that has the study behind it. So it's, you don't want just a generic one. You don't want lactobacillus, you know, acidophilus that has no strain ID behind it. You, you want the strain ID and then you want to see what the research says about that strain ID. And like I said, then the gold standard is having a study that talks about how these, all the different strains on the label are working together. And, and one great example of that is we work in our just calm product, our psychobiotic product that has the the just calm, that product is bifidal longum 1714. This has eight published studies. It is so highly studied for, you know, how the gut, how it's supporting the gut brain axis, how it's bringing cortisol levels down. We decided to try a different bifidolongum strain to work in conjunction with that one. What we found is that second bifidolongum strain 
actually negated the effects of the bifidolongum 1714 strain. So this is what's happening is that one strain could literally negate all the effects of another strain. And this is why it's so important that we're studying how they're working together. Mm-hmm. So are, are, do you feel like the kitchen sink probiotics that have like all these strains and oftentimes, I, I don't want to say all the time, but I, I will oftentimes see those plethora of different colony forming units of bacteria. They don't have the strain number at the end, the code at the end. Is that done more from a marketing standpoint? Okay. This looks diverse. Is there an actual reason beyond marketing why this is done? I mean, I can't think of any reason why you would want to put 15 different strains into one probiotic and and not study to see how they work together. So, right. and I, I would I would have to believe, I don't know the intention behind a lot of these companies that are doing this other than, you know, it, it's more is better. And that's just what we've kind of come to believe in America is more is right. better. Or like to your point, maybe it's they individually have research, but there's no research done on the... the combination of them and how they interact with each other and with our own microbiome. Right. And I think that's the key is with our own microbiome. And that's what that study was so scary is I think, you know, I've always been like, oh, you know, if you want to take these other type of probiotics, most of them are dying. They're not getting there. That's fine. But I never (laughs) thought they were doing any harm. You know, I didn't. But now that they're showing that they actually can, these high dose, high strain probiotics could actually compete with our gut flora is kind of scary. You know, I mean, I, that's, that's the part that kind of got me a little bit concerned because before I was like, Oh, whatever, you know, but most research is actually done on these single strain probiotics and, and, you know, a small amount of CFUs. That's what's so interesting. Right. And talking about gastric survivability, what determines that? Is it the capsule that they're in? I mean, obviously you're doing a lot of research in this space, but what are the variables that determine the fact that they survive at the heat of our body and our stomach acid. Yeah. Well, that's, what's so interesting about the spore based probiotics, which are the type of strains that we work with is that, you know, there's, it has nothing to do with the capsule. We know a lot of companies are doing enterocoding and different things to try to get them to survive. So company knows that these strains are not surviving. The problem is even if you enterocote them, once they hit the intestines, the bile salts, like maybe they'll survive the gastric system, but when they hit the bile salts, they'll probably be be destroyed there. And in addition to that, Once they get there, a lot of these strains, they just pass through similar to food. So where the spores actually stay there for about, they colonize for about 21 to 28 days. But back to your question about, you know, these, the spores actually, they are very, very different. We don't do any type of enterocoding or anything. These strains were actually found in our soil. They were found in nature. Our ancestors used to eat off the land. They used to eat roots and tubers off the land, and they would get these strains, these bacillus strains from the soil. And they were meant to be consumed by, by, you know, humans. And then, and when they get, when you swallow them, they're actually dormant when they're in the soil, they're dormant. So they're not live microorganisms. When you put them in the bottle, they're dormant. When you swallow them, they're dormant. When they are hit the gastric um, system and the acidic environment, they're dormant. And when they're dormant, they have this shell around themselves. And it's not till they hit the intestines that they recognize the intestines as their home and they take that spore shell off. And that's when they become a live microorganism. And that's what's so exciting about the spores is that their ability to actually get to the intestines and recognize it as that they're home. And then they stay 
stay there, like I said, for about 21 to 28 days where they're working throughout the entire, you know, intestinal tract. And then they'll leave the body eventually through defecation. And then they go back into their spore space state. So they go back into their dormant state. And it, this is the way nature, you know, I always like to go back to the way we evolved. And that's really why these strains are so powerful. And if we went to, you know, tribes in Papua New Guinea and the Hadza tribes, we would not be seeing these incidents of Crohn's, colitis, allergies, and all of that. We, they are eating off the land and getting these bacillus strains. And that's what's been so exciting about these strains and why we see such profound results, because it's the way we were supposed to be taking care of our microbiome. Wow, this is great. I'm so excited to get into this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The Okay, so that's another question that I get a lot, like uh, myths and truths and kind of helping people out with practical tips on probiotics is the term, and you mentioned it, spore-based probiotic. And I, I've seen on boxes, they'll say soil-based organisms. So is that, can you kind of talk about, are they the same and what exactly that means? It, it, you touched on it, but maybe just yeah. so people know exactly how that differentiates with your average probiotic. Yes. Oh, so glad that you asked that because there is a distinction, in my opinion, between soil-based and spore-based. And the distinction is that soil-based organisms live in the soil. They are alive. They are live microorganisms in the soil where spore-based organisms are found in the soil, but they're not alive. They're dormant in the soil. They don't become alive until they hit the intestines. So a soil-based organism that you take will is alive and we'll have the same problem as the lactobacillus and bifidobacterium type of strains that you know have difficulty surviving the body temperature and the acid of the stomach. So there is a big distinction between soil-based and spore-based in my view because of, the, because of the fact that they both are found in the soil, but soil-based are living in the soil. They're live microorganisms and spores are actually dormant when they're in the soil. They don't become alive till they hit the intestines. Got it. Thanks for clearing that up. The um, And you mentioned the 20 odd days of living in the gut. I never knew that. So can you kind of explain, explain that 
it, that uh, the not the half life, but explain the 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 life <laughs> once it hits our gut. What's it doing in there, and what's what's the the lifespan of it? Yeah, so they do stay there for about twenty one to twenty eight days, where they're working. They start in the small intestine and work their way all the way down to the distal colon, where they're just they're cleaning up. You know, they're competing with that pathogenic bacteria. They're competing with overgrowth of yeast, and they're cleaning up that garden. That's why I love that garden analogy because they're the gardener of their gut, and they're staying there, and they're they're not just passing through like food. The majority of probiotics on the market will just pass through the intestinal tract like food does. So they might do maybe plant a new plant in that garden, but they're not necessarily getting rid of the weeds. They're not getting rid or they're not helping our good beneficial bacteria come back to life. And that's really the key is that they're going in and helping support even some of those keystone strains like acromancia and helping bring our good beneficial bacteria back to life if it's not thriving in our gut. So that, that, and it's doing that, like I said, for about 21 to 28 days. Mm-hmm. You mentioned acromancy and eosinophilia. That's just something that I measure on gut health tests for patients. Can you talk a little bit about why that acromancy is important? And you see these acromancy supplements out on the market. I'm, I'm assuming survivability is a problem here, but how does the spore-based probiotics actually encourage the bacteria, the beneficial growth of these other microbes that have a lot of exciting research around it? Yeah, well, we've actually studied that and showed that you see a 10 to 100 times fold increase in our keystone strains like acromancia from taking the spores. Because like I said, it's going in there and actually promoting the growth of our beneficial bacteria. Maybe it just needed a little bit of help to come back to life almost. And then, yeah, as far as the acromancia that's out there, we have not researched it. We haven't looked into it. You know, of course, I love the concept of increasing your, you know, beneficial, your keystone strains. We know we have studied that these spores are actually helping increase our keystone strains like acromancia. And then adding in our prebiotic actually increased it another hundredfold. So, you know, we, we know because we've studied it. And I think that's really the problem that's out there on the market is that it's, it's expensive to do human clinical trials. It's expensive to do studies and research behind your own strains. And, And I could appreciate that, but it's like, you know, we're putting things into our body, people. Like we have to make sure that we're doing things that we know are, we need to know what kind of impact they're going to have on the microbiome. And that's where I think, you know, we've really tried to focus our resources on is studying what it actually does. And so we do know that it's actually helping increase the keystone strains like acromancia. Okay. So keystone strains, why should people care about that? And what, you know, what, what are some of the reasons why we want acromancia and other keystone strains to be robust in the microbiome. Yeah. Well, because we know that those are dictating the health of our microbiome. They're helping with our, you know, intestinal cell wall. The more, you know, the more diversity we have in our gut, the more we're helping support the lining of our gut as well. So we know that the, you know, acromancia and other different keystone strains are actually dictating our overall health in so many respects. So we mm-hmm. want to make sure we're having a lot of those types of strains in our gut. Back to my economic analogy in my mind, it's encouraging the economy of the microbiome. It's like, it, it's like a friend. Hey, come on, you can, you could do it. <laughs> you, yeah, exactly. You, exactly. You can, you can be better than you are right now, Ackermancia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're, you're, you're created for greater things. So, all right. What do you say to the person that says probiotics don't do much. I don't need to do it. I don't need to take a supplement. What, what would you say to that? Yeah. I mean, I would say that I, I think I'm going to talk about leaky gut here for a second, because 
we know we did a study, a double blind human clinical trial on leaky gut. And they took a hundred university of North Texas did the study. They took a hundred college students and gave them and tested them for LPS toxins that seeped in the bloodstream, thereby, you know, indicating they have a leaky gut. 55% of those college students had a leaky gut and didn't know it. They were not on any medication. These were healthy, felt great type of college students, young, and 55% of them had a leaky gut and didn't know it. And so what that's telling us, I mean, they're estimating that our adult population has about, you know, they're saying 80% of the population has leaky gut and they don't have any symptoms of it. So what we found with this study is you, we gave the spores, they gave the spores to half of the population and then half of that group and then uh, the placebo to the other half. They came back after 30 days, no dietary or lifestyle modifications whatsoever. And we all know what college students do to their microbiome. Came back after 30 days. What they found is that the treated group saw a 42% reduction in LPS toxins in the bloodstream. 42% reduction. So what that's telling us is that we're sealing up that leakiness of the gut. But here's the scary part is the placebo group actually saw a 32% increase in LPS toxins after 30 days. So the way I equate this is to like a leaky faucet. You've got this leakiness of the faucet and it's not a problem. These people have this leakiness and it's not a problem. It's not a problem. And then one day it overflows. And one day we get this, you know, autoimmune issue. One day, you know, I never had allergies. Now all of a sudden I have allergies and they don't know where it came from. Well, it is coming from the leakiness of the gut. And so the world we're living in right now is so disruptive to our gut health. So, you know, people will take an, you know, multivitamin, they'll take vitamin D, they'll take vitamin C. And I think those are all really great things to be taking. But you know, we, where we need to start is with our gut because mm-hmm. we need to make sure that we are sealing up that gut lining. We need to make sure that we're focusing on, you know, what is really making a true impact. And we want to make sure we're sealing, you know, sealing up that gut lining so that we're not creating all these autoimmune issues and all of these other, you know, inflammation that happens when we have a leaky gut. So mm-hmm. the world we're living in, so toxic. And I would suggest that people need to be focusing on their gut health because antibiotics we take, life is Satan, our food, chemicals that are in our environment. We're just, we're inundated every day. Our bacteria is being inundated every day and being attacked on a daily basis. And so we need to support that. We need to support our, our gut health. Right. And, and this is something that I can tell you as a clinician that sees measures this stuff on labs the amount of opportunistic and pathogenic bacteria that are higher in these lipopolysaccharides, the LPS, these bacterial toxins, basically, that are increasing intestinal permeability, increasing leaky gut syndrome, that's causing a cascade of inflammation levels in the body. That's fascinating research. Thanks for sharing that. So I guess that brings me to my next question that comes up in my mind is that the, why should people want to take it? So Obviously, the ob- the obvious answer is digestive issues. People get that, right? Oh, it's my gut health. Maybe I have bloating. Maybe I have IBS. Maybe I have some inflammatory GI issue. But beyond that, we know leaky gut syndrome can cause a lot of other far-reaching things. You mentioned mood earlier. Can you go over some of the top science-backed reasons why people should consider bringing in a probiotic, specifically a spore-based probiotic? 
Yeah, no, I'm so glad you asked that and made that very clear because we know that the gut is virtually is responsible for virtually every aspect of our overall health. So we think of it, like you said, you know, gas, bloating, diarrhea, constipation, digestive issues, like, oh, if I have those, then I need a probiotic. And so many people say, well, I'm fine. I don't have any digestive issues. I don't need a probiotic. But what we're seeing and what the study is studies are very clearly showing is that we need, you know, we know that gut health is not just our mood health. It's dictating our mood health, our mental health, and how we're able to deal with stress. It's, you know, 90% of our serotonin, which is our happy hormone is produced in our gut. A dopamine, GABA, our calming hormone, both of those are produced in our gut. Skin health, you know, people aren't thinking acne or, you know, rosacea or, you know, eczema, that these things are related to our gut health, but they are absolutely connected to our gut health. You know, there's the gut skin access that we talk about. And we know that we know, I mean, really it's hard to find any non-communicable disease that's not associated with some type of imbalance in our gut, our immune system. I mean, my goodness, you know, you find set over 70% of our immune system is found in our gut lining. So we need to be focusing on our gut health because it's affecting virtually every aspect of our overall health. So, and yet, like I mentioned, we're in this world that's so disruptive to our bacteria, you know, antibacterial hand sanitizers, antibacterial soaps, and, you know, cleaning supplies throughout our house. And yet we're like, it's our bacteria that's really so important and critical to our overall health. So I always say that I think bacteria needs a PR campaign because so much of our bacteria is friendly and good and we want to nourish, nourish it. And we wouldn't be here without it. You know, it's no. like we say we co-evolved with it, but in many ways, it's just, a, no one gets my analogy when I say this, but I keep saying it because in my mind, it makes sense <laughs> is the eighties, <80s>, nineties, <laughs> and even now, but the villain on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Krang, where the brain was inside of this sort of robotic creature and it was like controlling this robot. That's really in many ways what we are. Like yep. we are, we would not be here. The neurotransmitters, our immune system, hormone conversion, everything would, we would be goners without this, this microbiome metropolis. The, Absolutely. These- I get the analogy. I get it. <laughs> See, I'm somebody that gets it. I could not agree with you more. It's literally dictating our health and, and, and we're just starting to understand how important that is. And you, you mentioned about 95% of serotonin is made in the gut. About 50% of dopamine is made in the gut. So our pleasure, happiness, neurotransmitters are made in the gut. And the research that I've seen is that they work on GI motility in the gut. The neurotransmitters work on GI motility and the vagus nerve, right? So yep. this is the largest cranial nerve in the body that when we talk about nervous system regulation or a hypervigilant nervous system everybody that's listening to this, like people that have anxiety, fatigue issues, autoimmune problems, mood disorders, mood swings, oftentimes at least a component to that is poor vagal tone and how you improve poor vagal tone from a gut health standpoint is improving bacterial diversity, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And just supporting that communication between the gut and the brain, you know, by, yeah, having, if you have low diversity, you're, that's, creating issues with that communication between the gut and the brain. And then, and, you know, it's a two-way street. The more stress you have is, Mm -hmm. you know, hindering that communication as well. We want to increase that communication between the gut and the brain Mm -hmm. through vagal, you know, vagal tone exercises and, and keeping your gut microbiome diverse and healthy. Yeah. Okay. 
And you mentioned earlier the aspect that these spore-based organisms were are found in the soil and we're not exposing ourselves to these microbes anymore. You know, we're not foraging, we're not working in the land like we used to, and the soil isn't what it once was. And you mentioned the Hadza in Tanzania, the tribe tribe there that's being done there and understanding the microbiomes of them versus most of us in the West. Can you talk a little bit about that? What's happened to our soil and why is that's a really important point here is because it's in the soil microbiome is inextricably linked to our gut microbiome. I think it's a great point to highlight. Yeah. Well, our soil is just over farmed. It's depleted of nutrients. We know that, I mean, it's sprayed with Roundup on a regular basis. And so, I mean, that's awful. And it, it and we're seeing it even with you know, dogs, you know, dogs are seeing high incidence of cancer and all that because they're in these parks that are loaded with Roundup all over them. And glyphosate, glyphosate is the active ingredient in Roundup, and it is so detrimental to our gut health. It's arguably worse than antibiotics. We know antibiotics are very detrimental to our gut health, but, you know, we glyphosate actually only targets the beneficial bacteria in the gut. So our soil is just depleted of the nutrients and yet, and also being bombarded with all of these chemicals on a regular basis. So we just, we don't have, we don't have the nutrients and it's why we have such a need for supplements. You know, so many people will say, oh my gosh, well, my grandmother, you know, they never took any supplements and they were fine. Well, yes, you're right. They, they were getting these great organisms, microorganisms from the soil. We just unfortunately are not. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm always a fan of trying to get our nutrients from food. I'm, I'm a huge fan of doing that. And I, oh, and I eat super clean and healthy as much as possible. But there's just some things we're not going to be able to get from food like we used to get and from our mm -hmm. soil that we used to get. Mm -hmm. So it's it's replacing what would have just been called life just up until a few decades ago. Right? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's exactly what I say. These strains were meant to be consumed on a regular basis. They were meant to be taken on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And you know, and I think that's what's funny is I a lot of times we have people that start on the product and they're because they have some gas and bloating, and then they'll say, God, that really helped. And but now like I'm starting to like feeling I I'm I'm sleeping better or I'm starting to like be able to like lose a few pounds and I have better weight management. And it's amazing when you start, you know, healing your gut, what starts to happen. I mean, it's so exciting. That's you know, in the pharmaceutical world, it's like side effects include death, suicidal thought, all these awful things. But you know, in our world, and it's like, you know, side effects are better weight management, more energy. I mean, I have one friend that's like, you saved my marriage because it's like, I had no energy. You know, she's like, I would go to the doctor and they say, well, you know, you're just getting older. And she's like, it's, it totally helped me because I was able to, I have more energy now, but she originally came to the product because she just was having some gas and bloating. And of course, those are signs that you've got something going on. So you just start to see all these other, you know, great benefits unfold when you start healing your gut. I love that. I can attest. I, I hear that a lot from, from patients. And then yeah. I hear from their conventional doctors, they will tell their patients, they will say, Hey, whatever you're doing, keep on doing it. They don't yeah. necessarily <laughs> understand gut health. They don't understand functional medicine and all the things we're doing, but the data speaks for itself. When you see labs improve quality of life, improve, it's yep. kind of like, there's no, people always say, well, like, do you believe in gut health? Do you believe in function? This isn't like a faith or a fairy tale. This is just, the data speaks for itself. I don't have to believe it. I just see it. All right. So you 
you you mentioned your friend and people seeing these these changes. I know that's going to be another question that people will ask is, well, how long is it going to take for me to see a change? Like how long do they have to be consistent with it before they can start turning a corner? I know everybody's different, but just what are the, what's the data show generally speaking? Yeah. So what we, like you're right, everyone is different. There are times where we find people who are seeing results within a couple of days, you know, I mean, especially people with like loose stools, we seem to see a result a lot faster than maybe somebody who has, you know, constipation. We'll see within a couple of weeks, 30 days, but what we really, really encourage people to do is to at least stay on it for 90 days because that is really where you start to see the true changes. You know, you see like the mood, the energy, the weight management, all these other ancillary benefits that you're getting from the product. So, and again, it's, they're meant to be consumed on a regular basis. Our ancestors were getting them on a daily basis, regular basis. So it, they're meant to be consumed regularly. And so I'd say stick with it for at least 90 days for sure to see all the benefits that you start to notice. Got it. And I know people, this is another comment. I hear questions all day long. So I'm like, I'm speaking for the people right now. Okay. They, I love it. I love I, it. They got, they got <laughs> the expert right here. What time of day? Does it matter what time of day I take my probiotic? Yeah. Great question. It does not matter what time of day. The only thing we'd recommend is that you take it with food. We actually study this and know that these strains work in the presence of food. They proliferate that much more in the presence of food. So it's fine to take it on empty stomach, but way better take it with food. And you know, a lot of probiotics will say to take it on an empty stomach. And that's only because the pH of the stomach is higher when it's empty. And so mm -hmm. therefore they know that the higher the pH, the more likely they'll get something to survive. But most of our, you know, probiotic or most of our pH of our stomach is 1.3. And so that we did our gastric survivability study at a pH of 1.3. And we know that these survive during that. So just take it with food, at the end of a meal, maybe your largest meal of the day, the time of day does not matter. Got it. That was actually my next question with food or without food, but great point with the gastric guest survivability. So they're like, okay, have it on empty stomach in part because it's, well, we're going to try to lower it by a couple tenths of a point, the, the yeah. pH or increase the pH. But you're saying the pH being more acidic actually helps the spore-based probiotic because that's when it's awakening the spore, right? Is that yeah, fair to yeah, say? Yeah, exactly. And then, it, and then it's so robust that it's able to survive that acidic environment. Right, right. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. 
Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This has been such a great conversation. As you know, because you've been on the pod before, but the end, the, the podcast is called The Art of Being Well. So this is your art of being well the end of every episode, I want to pick your brain on a few things. And I don't remember all the questions I asked you last time because I literally just, they're just downloads that I just say at the top of my mind. So I will try to make them different. What's your favorite outdoor sound? So you're outside. What's something that's just so deeply, you know, I, I call it God art. What's like a God art sound for you? Yeah. It's so funny because I was just outside this morning drinking my coffee and it's just the birds. You know, my husband always puts a bird feeder. He's always feeding the birds. I think we spend more money on bird food than (laughs) our supplements because he's always replacing them. And we have so many birds and they just, the sound is just beautiful. Love it. So what's your favorite outdoor scent? What's your favorite God art scent? I got, it's funny because I know the scent. I just don't know what it's called. I just smelled it. Where was I just at that? I just smelled it. Oh, I was at a hotel actually in Santa Monica and I smelled this and I was like, I want to know what it is, but I don't, I don't really even know what it is. So I apologize. That's all right. That's right. Where do you like to stay in Santa Monica? Well, I used to always stay at the Lowe's, but it's closed down. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, I closed down and they're rebuilding it. So I just stayed at the Casa Del Mar back in May. And then this time I stayed at the proper. Okay. I've heard good things about the proper. I I normally stay and I don't know. I think it's still around, but it was the JW Marriott right next to the Lowe's. Lowe's. Yeah, it was just nice. It's not my favorite JW Marriott, but you know. Yeah, yeah. I've never stayed there, but yeah, they're so bummed. The Lowe's was like my favorite. My daughter went to college at Pepperdine. So we used to stay in Santa Monica all the time. And that was, yeah, it was awesome. I've been staying. Have you ever been to the Edition Hotel? Yeah. Well, I've been, oh, I've been to the one in Miami. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. West Hollywood has an Edition. I love it. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. uh, Coffee or tea? If you had to pick. in the morning, coffee at night, tea. <laughs> All <laughs> right, let's talk about this. So, in the morning, coffee. Do you put anything in it? Just have it black. What's it? What's it look like? Oh God! Now you're calling me out. I do put a <laughs> tiny bit of half and half in it. So, no sugar. I've never, <clears throat> I've never been a sugar person, but I do put a little bit. Of, I'm like, hey. there are certain pleasures in life you have to still enjoy. Hey, the people will be round of applause in you right now. No shame zone here. So I'm all right with it. <laughs> Maybe get some full fat, like goat milk or something like that. You could cream. Just a lot of yeah, like, a lot of good dairy people people love. People yeah. love. Yeah. And loves them back too. Do you have a specific like essential oil scent or natural scent that you like? Is that is that your thing or not so much? Yeah, I love peppermint oil. The peppermint oil just calms me down. You know, I don't know. I love love the peppermint oil. Love it. If you had to eat one food for the rest of your life, regardless of health benefits, like purely on taste alone, what would that food be for you? Cheeseburgers. Got it. What's your favorite place to get a cheeseburger? Um, It's called Sandlot and it's in the town that I live in outside of Chicago. Um, It's amazing. I mean, just, it's just, it's a total dive and it is so good and so bad for you all at the same time. (laughs) I haven't had one in a long, long time. It's okay. Even if you had, it's all right. <laughs> uh, if you were able to live to the age of 100, 
and keep either the mind or the body of a 30-year-old for the last 70 years of your life, which one would you want? The mind. <laughs> good answer, <laughs> good answer. I thought people, I thought the mind would be like a given, but then I've heard some compelling arguments as to why people pick the body. I don't, I, now they've got, the guests on the podcast have got me confused on what job. Yeah. Pick, so. <laughs> That's good. Keeping you on your toes. Exactly. Right. What's one spiritual or mindfulness practice or tool that's really helped you the most? A meditation for sure. I like to just meditate in the morning and I love to do that. I also love to pray too. Praying is really great at night. You know, in the morning I meditate at night, I pray. Love it. What's your favorite way to exercise? hands down walking. I'm, I'm a fast walker. I kind of have a reputation in my community because I've got my hands in the air and I just love to, I love being outside. That's the biggest thing is I don't ever go to a gym. We've got a Peloton in the basement. I never use it. I just, I like to be outside winter. I, I live in Chicago, even in the winter. I'm in, I'm out there. You know, you can use the Peloton app. I use it for even when I'm walking because it could track my route. Yeah. Just Good I mean, to know. Yeah. Yeah. That's my husband's thing. So I should probably go in. I do have a user name, so maybe yeah. I should do that. I love, I love Peloton. People know. I love my Peloton. What's yeah, the, so does my husband. I love it. What's the best advice that you've received in your life? The best advice that I've received. Or something that comes to mind putting you on the spot right now. But Yeah, you are putting me on the spot. Okay. Well, my, my dad has always taught me. I mean, both my parents have, my dad is very into mindset and personal development here. He was an immigrant and, and yet found this when he was younger, but just, you know, using your mind to, to create your future. And so he just always would tell me, you know, it's, you could create your own future. You could create what you want to create in your life and using your mind to do that. So there's so many sub parts of that as far as mm -hmm. good advice, but, you know, using gratitude and all that, but really that you could do it. You know, my parents both had really nothing. They came from Europe, they had nothing. And they, you know, built, you know, not only a successful close-knit family, but a successful business. And they've done so they just they use their mind to create their future. And they've taught me that. And that's probably been the best advice. Love it. And you mentioned going on vacation recently with your family and getting to visit the village that your parents came from, right? Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, I can't, I get goosebumps talking about it. I got to go visit this town that my mom was born in that I've heard about my whole entire life for the first time. And, and then I visited the town my dad was born in and met relatives and people who live like, like we're talking about, they just live among the land and eat off of the land and just are happy and healthy and have so little. And boy, did that teach me a lot, you know, just the, the simplicity that people mm -hmm. could live in and just find such joy and happiness. Yeah. Have your parents been, did they ever go back? Yeah. My mom has gone back. My dad has not. So I'm really trying to get them to go back. And they've gone back just not to the, they've gone back to the country, but not to their particular village because there was the war going on. And, mm -hmm. you know, there were some times where they couldn't go back to the actual village. So mm -hmm. we're trying to get them there hopefully next year. So this is in Croatia or it's now Croatia. It used to be you the former Yugoslavia. Yeah. We were of Serbian descent, but our towns are now in what is, is what is considered Croatia. And it's just a oh, beautiful, beautiful country, obviously. Beautiful. Right. And I we talked about this last time you're on the podcast. That's that we have that connection. My grandma was half Serbian and 
you have do you have relatives here right they go to the Serbian Orthodox Church here in Pittsburgh yes right? yeah tons of relatives and family that's in the area so oh. I, I could not believe that you were right by the church there that was amazing it's like yeah. what a small world I pass it every day to the on my way to the telehealth center oh my god that is awesome and I think about it every time I'm like wow like just thinking of the people that came here and you know yeah. just the way this country is you, it's always a meditation for me of the immigrants from the 1600s on and the indigenous people that were here before and just appreciating yeah. all of that imperfectness, but um, appreciating the land that we get to live in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My friend, where can people go? Where can people go to, to learn more about all the things we're talking about, get themselves some spore-based probiotics? Where do they go? The best place would go would be to our website, which is justthrivehealth.com. And we do have a coupon code for your listeners of Dr. Will, if you just D-R-W-I-L-L, and you'll get actually 20% off. Usually I do 15%, but 20% for that 90-day product because I'm so, so adamant about the 90-day. We gave that for the probiotic and then our Just Calm product. So um, I would just, just, just thrivehealth.com and Dr. Will for 20% off would be awesome. And, you know, call, we've got a product coach on our team. If you want questions about the particular product, I mean, we, we only talked about the probiotic and a little bit about our just calm. We have a whole slew of products that support gut health, but that's where you start. You start with the probiotic, but then if you have other questions, we have a product coach, we invest in research and we want to empower our customers. Love it. And it's something we didn't touch upon that I told you many people on my telehealth team actually use your product that you have probiotics for pets too. Yes. So if the yes. dog has like IBS issues because the dog's microbiome isn't as healthy as it used to be too. I've never talked about it on the podcast before, but you're, you're changing not only our microbiome, but our pets have microbiomes too, which is great. Yeah. Well, we did a clinical trial on leaky gut with the dogs too and found that the spores are actually you know, sealing up that gut lining for the dogs too. And, and it's helping, you know, the gas, the itchiness of the skin itchiness of the, yeah i was gonna say flatulence of the skin yeah yeah so yeah i'm glad to hear that they love it yay they love it thanks tina thank you Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back again next Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.